Welcome to the New Books Network. As the rabbi of a Sephardic synagogue for over 20 years, who is himself of Ashkenazic descent and trained in Ashkenazic yeshivot, Rabbi Chaim Jachter has a unique vantage point from which to observe the differences in customs and halachot between Ashkenazim and Sephardim. In Bridging Traditions, Rabbi Jachter applies his wide-ranging expertise to explaining an encyclopedic array of divergences between Ashkenazic and Sephardic halakhic practice, while also capturing the diversity within different Sephardic communities. Join us as we talk with Rabbi Chaim Jachter about his recent book, Bridging Traditions. Rabbi Chaim Jachter, who lives with his wife and children in Teaneck, New Jersey, is a veteran teacher of Judaic studies at Torah Academy, serves as spiritual leader of Congregation Sha'are Ora, the Sephardic Congregation of Teaneck, and Dayan on the Beit Din of Elizabeth. Rabbi Jachter, welcome to New Books and Jewish Studies. So great to be here. Rabbi Jachter, please tell us about yourself, your family, and where you serve. I, I have a very interesting uh, congregation that I serve. Uh, Jewish people for the last uh, thousand years have been split up into two basic groups. The groups that are in, in, in Europe are the uh, Ashkenazic Jews and the Jews in the uh, Eastern lands are, are called uh, Sephardic Jews. And I am a, uh, I'm, I'm raised, uh, I'm, I'm raised Ashkenazic. I, uh, I descend from a string of uh, Ashkenazic, uh, Ashkenazic rabbis, generation after generation. Um, uh, and um, I'm the eight, 18th generation from the Ramah, who's the top uh, um, uh, Jewish law authority for Ashkenazic Jews. And yet for the last 20 years, I've had the honor and pleasure of serving as a rabbi of a Sephardic community here in Teaneck, New Jersey. What led you to write a book on demystifying the differences between Sephardic and Ashkenazic Jewish people? It's because when I was when I was growing up, or even let's take and take a uh, take a step back for uh, for, the, for the last thousand years, or uh, up up till let's say nineteen. Uh, 1930, 1940, a Sephardic Jew and an Ashkenazic Jew would not, uh, would rarely, uh, would rarely interact. Only in certain circum- countries that were close to Southern Europe, there, were, there, there would be some in- interaction in Romania or Bulgaria, but, but otherwise there would be very little interaction. They read each other's books, the scholars read each other's books, uh, but on, on a lay level, very, an Ashkenazic Jew and a Sephardic Jew would have very little to do with each other. However, in, in, uh, in, in Israel, certainly, with the establishment of Israel and Jews returning to Israel on a large level, that is brought, that is, it's been a family reunion, and uh, Sephardic Jews and Ashkenazic Jews are, uh, are, are, are mingling. And uh, very, very much so, especially in, uh, in, 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 uh, in, in mo- actually in most of the communities this day, there's, there's so much, uh, there's some, so much, so much marriage between the uh, between between Sephardic and Ashkenazic Jews, and uh, that's that's impacting here in America as well. Over the last twenty years, as I was saying, as I was growing up, a, I'm, I'm now fifty eight years old, but growing up. It would be rare for me to, uh, to, to, as an Ashkenazi Jew, to meet a Sephardic Jew. I don't think there was a Sephardic Jew in the, in the neighborhood that I lived until I was about 25 years old. 
and, uh, and, and, and a Sephardic Jew would be in their neighborhoods, Ashkenazi would be in their neighborhoods, and, and uh, very rare would the two meet. But today, that's, that's very much not the case. And there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of intermingling, and there's a lot of marriages between Sephardic and Ashkenazi Jews. And I've encountered many Ashkenazi Jews who uh, have no clue what, what's a Sephardic Jew all about. So I basically share with them the journey that I had. I was just all of a sudden, uh, out of nowhere, I became the rabbi of a Sephardic congregation. I had to learn very quickly. You know, you'll find it's very interesting. The first, uh, <laughs> on the first uh, Shabbat, the first Saturday uh, service that I was, that, where I attended at that Sephardic congregation, I didn't know what page we were on. I was the only rabbi in the world who had to ask uh, a congregant what, what, where are we? What page are we on? Where, 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 what are we doing? <laughs> so, uh, but obviously I've, I've come uh, quite a long way from that in the last, uh, in the last 20 years, but it's, uh, it's, it takes, uh, it, it's a lot, it's been a lot of effort and a lot of work, a lot of consulting and a lot of guidance and that I've put together in this uh, 500 plus page book. Are these two traditions really worlds apart? Is it a matter of hostility or misunderstanding between them? So, okay, so that's a, that's a good question. This was a very, very smart question. So to the scholars, certainly not. And, and honestly, I, I, and as I, 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 am, I emphasize this always, that to, to Sephardic Jews and to Ashkenazic Jews, that what's the staggering, what's stunning phenomenon is that that, that it's 95% the same. In other words, we've been separated for at least a thousand years, thousands of miles away. And when we reunite, really not that much difference. I remember in 1984, I spent the summer in Tel Aviv and we prayed in a Yemenite synagogue. Now, Yemenite Jews have been, they've been 2,500 years been separated. From I hear I'm a Jew that is from, from uh, it was in Poland for the last thousand years and, uh, and they They've been in, in Yemen the last 2,500 years. And when we reunite, it took me a couple of days to get used to it. But uh, I, I, was able to, I was able to figure out what's going on. That's, that's, the, that's staggering. That, that's, that's stunning. It's staggering. That's, I, I, it, it's, it's unbelievable. Now, if you're asking, has there been some hostility? So sometimes uh, culturally, there, there, there can be differences. And sometimes it could take... Uh, it takes getting used to someone who's raised with a certain kind of food and Ashkenazic food is very different than Ashkenazic. It's more European uh, than the, the Sephardic is more of a more, more Mediterranean and more, more, uh, more Eastern. So it's, a, it's it, so these, these cultural, this cultural differences, the, the tunes are, uh, are, are, are different in that way. Well, but these, but, but, to, but to me, this, that's just superficial. But when the, the real differences and the ones that really, really matter are the, are the ones that, uh, are that we're, we're almost the same. Here's some of the differences. Just to give you a little bit of, a, of, a, of how to, sh to show what the 5%, of, an example of the 5% difference. Where the next holiday, major holiday the Jews have is, um, Jewish people have, is called, is called Purim. Or Purim, as, as Ashkenazi Jews would pronounce it. So on Purim or Purim, however you however you like to pronounce it, uh, the, we uh, we recite uh, two blessings before we read the Book of Esther, before we read the Scroll of Esther. 
Uh, we make a, a one blessing is for you, right? So you, we bless God for for giving us uh, for giving us this commandment to read, to 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 read the to, to read the scroll of Esther, and uh, and then we say uh, we say another blessing for making miracles for us at this time, and a third blessing at night. Uh, that's called the Shachianu prayer, the prayer, the blessing, which is saying thank you for bringing me to keep me alive to sustaining me alive until until this point so you say that those three blessings at night do you do you do you repeat the shachiano blessing the blessing of uh, thank you for bringing so allowing me to live until now do you repeat that in the morning when you repeat the, the when you repeat the repeat reading of the of the esther scroll which you read at night or read in the morning so read in the morning do we say two blessings or three blessings? This is a this is a debate on how you understand the Talmud. It's a debate that goes back at least to the 12th, the 13th century. Maimonides, the Tosafists. It's it's an interesting discussion, but it's it but it's uh, it's not uh, talking about these these are nuances, and that's where really and and that's where it's to us. To us Jews, that's really, and, and to any religious person, this is what really matters. What really matters is, you know, the, the essence, the culture, that's, that's, uh, this is all just, that's just trimmings. The essence is, uh, the, the essence is really 95% the same. Well, for those who may not have a clue, would you tell us something of the cultural history of Sephardic and Ashkenazic Jewish people? Okay. The Sephardic Jewish people... Uh, were uh, like like all Jews were were indigenous to uh, to to uh, to the land of Israel, and uh, we were exiled by the Romans about uh, about two thousand years ago, and the uh, Sephardic Jews were exiled to the uh, they they found their way to the Arab countries, and the Ashkenazic Jews found their way to the European countries. That's basically that's 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 where that's where it came from. So some of the differences in the ritual, that's uh, which is where really which is what really matters. That 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 stems from the different schools that emerged. But uh, the common books, the Bible is in common, the Talmud is in common. That's the uh, that's the foundation. The foundation is really one, and the beauty is the beauty is is uh, is that. Um, is that we've retained everybody's retained that foundation. All the all the Sephardic and the Ashkenazic Jews. I'm talking about. You'll forgive me. The Orthodox, uh, the ones that uh, the ones that the ones that keep it. If it's okay, just just tell a story again. I'm, I'm speaking as an Orthodox rabbi. You know, we don't we don't change. You know, someone when you know we have a we have a festival in, in October that's called uh, Simchat Torah, where we dance with the Torah scrolls. And and celebrate our complete completion, completing the reading of the Torah scroll of, for that year. And someone in my congregation who happened to be immigrated from uh, from Iran, and I, I I asked him. He asked me, uh, "Why don't we allow the women to dance with the uh, with the Torah scroll?" I said, "Was that what they did when you grew up in Iran?" He said, "No." I said, "Why?" That's not what we're doing here. So you know, we we maintain we maintain the traditions, and those who've maintained the traditions have found that uh, when we reunite, that it's uh, that that it's that's very much the uh, it's very much the same. What are some ways you try in your book to bridge these traditions? So if uh, if people understand 
the differences. The more that one becomes a scholar, the more one knows, the more one under, one, underst one understands what is what's underlying the differences. So, for example, on the festival of Sukkot, also during October, we wave the four species. A Sephardic Jew, a Sephardic woman, is not going to recite the blessing. An Ashkenazic woman will recite the blessing. An Ashkenazic woman that marries a Sephardic man generally assumes this the man, the husband's uh, practices. The tribe, you know, in the Bible, the tribe goes by, follows the uh, follows the father, follows the husband, and the a lot of times the women become upset. Well, I'm used to saying the blessing. Why, why, why are you depriving me about not saying the blessings? So, so we read the book. It's, it's it's understanding. It's not about depriving you from the blessing, not depriving you from the blessing. It's it it's the, it all stems from whether it's whether it's how you understand the Talmud. It's a, it's two different traditions of uh, of in, of interpretation of the Talmudic text. And it's not about uh, you're depriving me, you're entitling me. It's not entitlement. It's not deprivation. It's it's it's, it's interpretation. And, and the more of, of more that one is learned, then then you uh, the, the the more one appreciates the differences and understands the differences and embraces it instead of uh, in, instead of having difficulty uh, digesting it. You close your book with tributes. Would you share some of those portraits with us and why you feel they are important? What was your goal with this final section? Okay. One of the, one of the things that I want to accomplish in this book is actually not only for Ashkenazic Jews, but Sephardic Jews who live in the Eastern lands. Now, a lot of them have very different traditions, which is not surprising. You have Jews that stem from Morocco and Jews that stem, let's say, from Iran, as we mentioned, they're, they're both called Sephardic Jews, they're Eastern Jews, Mizrahim, but nonetheless, they are, they, they, their traditions are different. They are Maimonides-based traditions, but, and Rabbi Joseph Caro, also made another major, major authority, but the, the being that local custom has, does have a significant impact in Jewish law, it's not surprising that they, if these communities are thousands of miles apart, that there are going to be significant differences between the communities. Uh, this You don't have this amongst Ashkenazic Jews. So, for example, let's say my family stems, was in Poland for the last thousand years. And you have Jews that are from my wife's family who's from Hungary for, uh, for the last thousand years. So between Poland and Hungary, the differences are not, are, are not really pronounced. But between uh, between Iran, between Iran and between between Persia, between Morocco, it's quite a distance, and the the customs are are different, the practices are different, and uh, so so part of this is, is is both the Ashkenazi Jew and the Sephardic Jew is to appreciate the range of 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 uh, of of, Sephard, of, uh, of of what Sephardic Jews are all about, and uh, and to understand that yes, that uh, the Sephardic Jews certainly have. Uh, not just one great uh, rabbi, uh, the chief rabbi uh, of Israel, his name was Rabbi Ovadji Yosef, who was a, certainly a towering figure. For a lot of Ashkenazic Jews, they think, well, whatever he said, Rabbi Ovadji Yosef said, that it goes. That's not the way we Jews do things. You know, we, uh, 
you know, the Talmud is, is, is basically 2,700 pages of arguments. You know, we, we, we like to, uh, to, to really argue things out. And, and we have this, and there are plenty of, plenty of rich disputes, which we outline in the book. And we explain with the Moroccan tradition, the Syrian tradition, the Egyptian tradition, the, uh, the, 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 the Turkish tradition, <laughs> where, where are they all, uh, where, are they, where, where, are they, where, are they, where are they coming from? So it's important to understand the uh, that there are the different rabbinic leaders. There's the Moroccan rabbinic leaders. There's there's the uh, Ira- Iranian rabbinic leaders. There's the Iraqi rabbinic leaders. There's a so it's, it's important to understand the variety within uh, with, with within uh, with, within Sephardic Jews. So Maimonides and then later Nachmanides were. In Spain, were were they shaped by Sephardic Judaism, or are they the fountains that helped shape it? I love that question. That's that's a brilliant question. That's a brilliant question, and I think the answer is, as we as as the as Talmud scholars like to say very often, is that both are right. Meaning, where Maimonides and Nachmanides, especially Maimonides, writes wrote a wrote a major a code of major importance. Nachmanides wrote commentaries on the Bible and on the Talmud of major importance. So Maimonides, let's focus for a moment on Maimonides' code. So is Maimonides, is his, did his code influence Sephardic Jews? Or did, Sephardic, did, that, did that mold Sephardic Jewish practice? Or did Sephardic Jewish practice mold Maimonides? And the answer is, as it always, as it always is with practices, that it goes both ways. That the practices of the community practices impacts the, the leadership and the impact the, the leadership impacts the, the community. So it's a symbiotic relationship that actually continues till this uh, till this very day. What about Rashi who was in France? Is he the hero for Ashkenazic Jewish people? Yeah Rashi is definitely Ashkenazic. I'm a descendant of Rashi. Um, 33 generations from uh, from Rashi. Um, and I uh, he 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 was one of the founders, or, or I don't know, the founders was one of the early leaders of the of the Jewish community in France, and uh, which was traditionally uh, traditionally Ashkenazic. Uh, he is he is one of the he certainly is one of the pillars of Ashkenazic uh, community. And then his his grandchildren, the Tosafists, uh, are also a major uh, major Ashkenazic authority. And it's interesting that uh, also there's the Rosh, Rabbeinu Asher, Rabbi Asher, who was interesting. He was in Germany, and he was expelled from Germany. He left Germany because of, uh, uh, because of uh, perse- uh, persecution against Jews in Germany in the uh, 14th century, and uh, didn't start in the 20th century. It's, it's a long history, unfortunately. And, uh, he, uh, he, he, and he moved to Spain. So I, I, and he had a tremendous impact on Ashkenazic uh, halacha, uh, Jewish law, uh, and and um, I feel very close to uh, to Rabbeinu Asher uh, because he was an Ashkenazic rabbi that assumed the pulpit in the Sephardic uh, community. So, <laughs> and his son also was a major scholar, uh, Rabbi Jacob. Uh, and he wrote the tour. And uh, so, uh, as my children that are raised uh, with both, so I can certainly I, 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 I identify with him strongly. It's a similar experience. 
thank God I haven't had, I haven't experienced the persecution, but I hopefully should never, should never, should never, should never happen. As you noted earlier, more Jewish people from diverse traditions are living together, whether in the state of Israel or in America or other places. Is the goal a melding together of traditions, or is it to keep an appreciation even while maintaining distinctions as part of the beauty within a community? So, so you're, uh, you're, you're hitting on a very important point. So it's a delicate dance that you, that you have to do. It's, it's very important to us to maintain the tradition. On the other hand, it's important to maintain the unity. That's why we have a Sardic congregation is to here in Teaneck. And the, the, Jew, the Orthodox community here in Teaneck is overwhelmingly Ashkenazic. And we have a uh, you know one small Sephardic congregation, and the seventeen Ashkenazic uh, uh, congregations, one Sephardic congregation, one one little Sephardic congregation, uh, one island in the, in a uh, big sea, one little Sephardic island, a big sea of Ashkenazic uh, Jews. But it's important to us, and it's important in the synagogue that the children that they should be brought up, that they should know the practices, and they should be able to continue the practices. Now, at one time, I was I was praying in a in a synagogue in at Ben Gurion Airport in Israel in Tel Aviv, and I was trying to figure out in the airport. Well, you know, it's transient, obviously, just the passengers stepping in for, for prayer services, and it came. I had to leave the service at one point, and the uh, and I wasn't clear to me whether they were praying. Uh, are we, are we, are we, I, I, so I asked. Are we praying Ashkenazic or are we praying Sardic? So one of the older gentlemen would there said, well, we're praying to God. You know, so it doesn't, you know, doesn't matter so much. Sardic, Ashkenazic. He's right and he's not right. He's right because, you know, it's, it's, it's 95% anyway, but, but it's, it's important for us to maintain our tradition. So it's a, it's a balance that we have to strike. Rabbi Jackter, do you have any other projects on the horizon? So I have a lot of interesting things that I do. I also teach in a, uh, in a Jewish high school here in in uh, in, in Teaneck, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm also a rabbinic court judge. So I'm 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 very I'm very very busy, and uh, I am uh, so I love Jewish law and I love the Bible. So I just came out with a commentary on the book on the book of Daniel, and I uh, and I'm coming out with a book on. Uh, on the on on Ruth in the book of Ruth, I'm coming out in uh, in a few months, God willing, and uh, I have a, another book coming out about uh, electricity in Jewish law, which is another which is which is also fascinating. You can see this book as well. One of the fascinating aspects of Jewish about uh, about Jewish law today is that all the new inventions there's a there's a precedent in the Talmud. How can that be? How can the Talmud have a precedent for every new technological breakthrough? I see it as God's subtle hand in the Talmud that He was uh, setting setting up uh, for the for the for the for the, for the future, so that uh, Judaism should be eternal. Look, it's a promise in the Bible that we're eternal, we're an eternal people, and with all the technology, we're still able we apply it in all in all the situations. So that's. Uh, that's going to be that's going to be called. We're going to call it the power of Shabbos, uh, Shabbat, and electricity in the 21st century. My son comes up with all. The, my older son comes up with all these names for the uh, for the for the uh, for the for the books. It's a, it's a family. Uh, it's a family project. Thank you for being with us, Rabbi Jackter, and telling us about your book, Bridging Traditions. All the best. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for having me on your show.
Friends, you've been listening to New Books in Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. Until next time, goodbye.